If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit In the morning with Brett King. Here's Brett. That was an eventful Monday night football game, wasn't it? Marty, did what you game? did you like the part where um, Adam Schefter talked the whole time during Monday night football? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, John Gruden is out as Vegas's head coach. What is this, three years into his tenure deal? Um, I don't think, like... Gruden in these emails, and this is stemming back from the Washington football team investigation, which ironically, no punishment for Washington and all of this, and Gruden just takes shrapnel from some, it was just he was laying in the bunker and he goes, All right, they're all targeting this guy, and, and he catches a stray bullet somewhere. Now, Gruden was playing bingo to see who could he who he could offend. Like any group out there. You were on the target list for John Gruden. I mean, I, it's almost like you were at a roast and he goes, all right, there's going to be somebody who's gay here and then there's going to be a black person here and then there's going to be, and Gruden's like, don't worry, I got jokes for everybody. I'm all in on this. I mean, some of those emails just, I, you can't, people say this all the time. Like, why would you put that in an email? It, Marty, are you with me on this? I don't think it really matters the mode of communication anymore. You're telling me if this was a text message, nobody could screenshot this and send it to somebody? Like, unless you're telling somebody face-to-face. There's no way that this is, like, eventually not going to come out. And I think it'd be one thing, because this started, what, seven years ago is when these emails started? And to be honest... I think if it was seven years ago, it's a different story than it is that these went all the way up into 2018 when he was hired. That's part of the problem. Like, all of these emails are bad. But seven years ago, we were in a little different mind space than we are now. Not to say that there was any time that these are appropriate, but you got to kind of understand the times here, too. Um, Gruden now out as the Raiders head coach. The Broncos play the Raiders this weekend, which throws another wrinkle in all of this. But I don't think I've ever seen a story quite like this where it's in the middle of like a play and ESPN goes, we're going to cut to Adam Schefter. 
for some breaking news from the NFL, and it's a story like this. It was kind of funny to see them go and report this story just to see how they danced around it because while these emails were coming out, he was employed by ESPN. Which brings up another question. Do these see the light of day if he is still calling Monday night football games? Could you imagine if Gruden's on Monday Night Football when this story breaks about John Gruden and how they would handle that? We go to Adam Schefter. Adam, John, you are fired. <laughs> Breaking news from Adam Schefter. Adam, what's going on? Spider 2Y banana. My sources have told me that John Gruden will be out of the booth by halftime. And there's a deep fly ball to left field. <laughs> Nick Castellanos has done it again. I mean, really, really weird. The entire situation. Gruden's out, and Vegas, have they said who's taking over now as the interim head coach? Didn't they have, like, don't they have Gus Bradley on the uh, on their coaching staff? He's, like, their D.C. or something like that. He was the coach in Jacksonville just a few years back. Had some success in the league. I think Gus Bradley was the guy that took them to the AFC Championship game with Bortles. So that'd be my guess if you were to pick somebody who was going to take over, but Vegas has to be reeling right now. Like the oddity about this is John Gruden in some ways became an ambassador for the league. Did he not? I mean, calling Monday night football games kind of gets you in that pantheon, but also John Gruden, like the second he got hired by the Raiders, it was where's hard knocks going to be. Yep. It's going to be in Oakland. And really, um, you know, you hate to put it in this context, but Broncos looking for a win. This came at a pretty good time for Denver. Like, you hate to say it like that, but it's kind of the truth. You need a W. You got a team that's reeling right now. Uh, getting a tough Raiders team now not having their head coach due to some sort of sort of turmoil and a lot of controversy surrounding that team, and their heads are probably spinning, trying to gather this information. Also coming off a terrible loss to the Bears. Yeah. Uh, I, you're catching the Raiders at a decent time. I don't know, dude. Like, I, I don't really know what else I can say about this other than the emails are bad, and there you go. But 303-504-0925, you guys want to give me a call. Uh, between that and the actual Monday Night Football game, which, by the way, was great. I mean, you get to the end of that game, and the Colts have this giant, what, 16-point lead heading into the fourth quarter, and Lamar goes nuclear? Like, we were just talking about Lamar Jackson having maybe his best passing game of his career against the Broncos last week when he had 316 yards, and he goes off for 442 on 37 of 43 throwing the football in four touchdowns. Also ran the ball for 62 yards. So Lamar Jackson has just decided now I'm going to be crushing people from the pocket. That's my new plan. I mean, I, Mark Andrews had 11 catches at the end of that game. Did he have 10 in the last five minutes? Like, he had both the two-point conversions, too.
like between him and Hollywood Brown. It was just, we're down. I'm going to either Andrews or Marquise Brown deep. Don't care which one. Marquise run fast. Andrews get open. Well, they may have won the battle, but they lost the war. Their uh, 100-yard streak is over. Oh, no. I'm so sorry for them. Do you think that they said... Double overtime, Can we go double overtime and just see if we can do this? Yeah, they finished with 86 rushing yards. It's over. Sorry, guys. So they they stayed tied, right? Tied for 43 consecutive games with 100 yards, whatever it is. Who cares? Good point. Isn't that funny, though? Like, all of that frustration and them saying how important this was to them, and it's like, yeah, nobody cares. They could not get a rushing game going, though. Outside of Lamar Jackson, listen to this. Lamar Jackson had 62 yards. Latavius Murray had 17. Tyson Williams, 6. And Devontae Freeman, 1. I mean, they threw the ball 43 times yesterday. And I've never seen Lamar Jackson throw the ball like that, ever. I think there was a stat that he was the first... The first quarterback in NFL history, let's see here, with a completion percentage of 85% or better and throwing for 400 yards. Never happened before. It should never have happened. I mean, blanket ship's got to make a kick, man. That game could have been over 10 times over already. Yeah, blanket ship missed the kick. Here's the other one I don't get. How the hell did they call that an illegal forward pass on the lateral from Darius Leonard? Like, we have to realize something. Marty, if you are, um, if you're jumping out of a car going 60 miles an hour, you will not, when you jump out, hit the spot that you jump out of the car at. You're going, your momentum is taking you forward. The pass can go backwards and still end up ahead of where you released the football. Does that make sense? So he basically just let it go parallel to where he was and since his momentum was taking him forward it went forward there is no way that this guy's standing behind Darius Leonard in fact pulled up pulled up a well we're up against a break if you watch the video and you see where he pitches the football and where the guy catches it it's a yard behind him like the ball has force going backwards like I don't get how you can call that an illegal forward pass but incredible game yesterday Drama in the middle of it. Wild day in the NFL. A lot to get to this morning. 303-504-0925. If you guys want in, back in three minutes. If you had one shot or one opportunity to seize everything you ever wanted. All right, so um, Monday Night Football is crazy. The Broncos have the Raiders now with uh, interim head coach Rich Basaka. But but something special teams coach is now taking over as the interim head coach. His name's Rich. That's all you got to know. Coach B. Coach B. So you got him this weekend, them this weekend. Uh, Here's the question I got with the Broncos. We spent a good amount of time yesterday talking about is it coaching or is it a talent deficit? What's gone the most wrong the last couple of weeks? What's been the difference between how they looked the last two weeks as opposed to the first three? 
And I think the consensus, Marty, not that it was everybody, but most would say that it's a coaching issue. And I tend to agree. I think you put yourself in so many bad positions against the Steelers, and I'm just going mistake for mistake. You put it on a ledger. What does it look like at the end of the game? And I got a whole bunch of mistakes in the Broncos side and maybe one, which was a strip sack on the side of the Steelers. I really can't think of another mistake they made. They played a pretty perfect game and a perfect game is what it took for them to beat you. Which is why I say I think the Broncos are better than the Steelers. Here's the problem. Teddy Bridgewater, as much as we like him around here, and Teddy Bridgewater's been pretty good this season. Not great, pretty good. I mean, again, Marty, you watched that game last night. 844 passing yards in that game combined. Lamar Jackson had 442. Carson Wentz had 402. That'll never happen. It'll never happen here. And we aren't confusing Carson Wentz with some sort of stud in this league. He had a couple of years where I would say he was a top 10 quarterback. I mean, that one year that he busted up his leg and they won the Super Bowl, he was the leading candidate for MVP. But you aren't going to have that here. There's not a single game in which you say, will Teddy Bridgewater throw for 400 yards? And when you can't do that, your margins are super small. Why did Baltimore come back and win that game? Lamar Jackson said, jump on my back. I'll carry you to a win. Now, still needed some help, right? Needed a missed field goal. Needed some good catches from Hollywood Brown, from Mark Andrews. But if the Broncos are down 16 in the fourth quarter, that game's over. It's over. You don't have the big playability that Baltimore has. You don't have the quarterback that's going to take you back and get you back into a game. We still have to recognize one thing. I think this team has talent. But you're still going to be hindered by the lack of a ceiling that your quarterback has. Doesn't mean you can't win a lot of football games. I think you can. I think you should be 4-1 right now. And if you're 4-1, and one, you're in pretty damn good position to make the playoffs. But here's something I heard a lot of yesterday, and I agreed. Defense wasn't good enough. Defense gave up way too many big plays on Pittsburgh, was doing too much stupid stuff, having Von Miller cover Chase Claypool. That can't happen. But you want to know the bottom line? What did we want this defense to be when we entered this season? Top five? Top five. You know what they are? They're fifth in yards allowed, and they're second in points allowed. They've done that, and it's resulted in three and two. Now, last two games, given up 27 points, 23 points, that's not good enough. You've skewed the numbers a little bit with the easier opponents to start the year. But if you try and hone in on why the defense gave up the points that they did, what's the answer? And I would say a good portion of that has to do with the offense not doing their job. Running nine plays in the first quarter? This defense is good. Like, you didn't get a first down until midway through the second quarter? 
This defense is good. It's not going to be 2015 where they can just carry you. You're going to have to get some help. And that's why I look at Shermer and I say, okay, let's go through the list of things that we could have done differently. And we've talked about the running game. And at times, like, I think that Shermer was messing with us. He's like, all right, you want to run the football? It's second and 13. Let's run it now. And it's like, no, that's not what I'm saying. That's not, uh, let's not do that. But you look at Noah Fant, who I consider to be a top three player on your offense. You can't get him a target for three quarters. Careful what you wish for. We're going to get a tight end sweep next play, next uh, next game. you got to find a way to get your best players involved. And yes, the defense gave up big plays. Kyle Fuller was bad. You made a lot of mistakes. A lot of chunk plays against Pittsburgh. That to be honest, I think we're all expecting you to suffocate Big Ben as you did a Trevor Lawrence, a Daniel Jones, and a Zach Wilson. Because Ben just doesn't seem to have it. But it needs to be complimentary. Again, this defense is second in points allowed per game and fifth in yards allowed per game. That's not a fluke. They've done what we've asked them to do. The problem is you scored six points. I'm sorry, was it six or was it seven against the Ravens? Seven points against the Ravens, and you finish with 19, but you enter that fourth quarter with six. You just aren't going to be able to win football games that way. You know, we we go back to this. There's three minutes left in the game. Hey, defense, get a stop. Well, you guys gave up a field goal. Well, damn it, they've been on the field the entire game. This is the same story. Like, you talk about this, watching the same movie over and over again. Go back to last year. I got so frustrated with the amount of times I would walk in here on a Monday and I get these phone calls from people telling me defense couldn't make a stop when they had to. And I'm saying, you want to focus on the last two minutes of a football game where the defense is dead tired because they've done nothing but stop the opposing offense the entire game and say they couldn't get a stop? When I'm looking at the first 58 minutes and saying, where's the offense been? Why is it coming down to that every single week? When can you help them out? When can you make a play? The defense did their job. They got that strip sack. The offense thanked them by going three and out and getting a field goal. That's the thing. That's the exact thing. Even when they do something properly, can you capitalize on it? I mean, we we discussed this for a moment yesterday. I think part of it's hero ball, but another part is this. When that ball was on the turf, and you saw both Von Miller and who else was it? Malik Reed? No, Malik Reed caused the fumble. Uh, Alexander, I think Johnson. Alexander Johnson. When that ball's on the turf... And neither of them jump on the football. What are they trying to do? Pick it up and score. Why? Because that's their best chance of getting in the end zone. I think they feel like they got to score points. They don't trust the offense that even if we give you the football in plus field position, already inside a field goal territory, that you're going to punch it in for six points. And that's true. Because what happened was you got the football, you lost yards, and you settled for a 39-yarder. 
I mean, I just, I, I think if anybody's really looking at the defense, and I'm the first one to admit I was disappointed with how they played against the Steelers too. But it can't be all on them to create momentum every single time. You give up a touchdown. Hey, offense, your turn. Answer. Answer it. Because you know what excuse the offense doesn't have? I gave them somewhat of a pass against Baltimore. You're playing a game without two starting interior offensive linemen. Your quarterback gets knocked out at halftime. You already got you already have what two, three wide receivers that are gone. Like I give you a little bit of a pass last week. This week, you had both of those guys, Reisner and Glasgow, in. You had Teddy Bridgewater in for 60 minutes. The excuse doesn't exist this week. And we talk about slow starts and slow starts and slow starts. Well, there's only one team in particular or one side of the football we're looking at where the slow starts are really mattering. The defense a couple of times this year, I think three different weeks on the first drive of the game has given up a big play or a touchdown drive. Big throw by Daniel Jones in week one on the first drive. Trevor Lawrence, uh, uh, the Jacksonville game, drives down the field, 80-yard touchdown drive. And then this first drive against the Steelers, 50-yard touchdown pass to Deontay Johnson. They've had a slow start, but they put it in check. Very next drive, they say, you know what? Our bad. Here's the football at the 30. And the Broncos do nothing with it. That's the kind of stuff that you look at when I say, when I hear defense isn't doing its job. I'm like, okay, offense has to do something. And I know what people are going to say. We knew what this offense was heading into this year. Yeah, we did. But that's where it's on a guy like Shermer. Make it look better. Like, Marty, would you ever have dreamt that Carson Wentz would throw for 400 yards last, uh, last night? No. Frank Reich's a pretty good offensive mind. Good head coach. Finds ways to get guys in good position. You have to do the same. And I just want to see Pat Shermer capitalizing on some of their guys' talents. A lot more than he's doing right now. Because the talents of Noah Fant is better than staying in block every play. Javante Williams should be able to find an easier way to get some rushing yards than one big run per game. When it's third and seven, don't throw a three-yard pass. Don't even have somebody running underneath. There is no point. That's the stuff that's been driving me nuts. And by the way, Shelby Harris is going to be on Kreckman and Lindahl at 5 o'clock today. So I'm sure they'll have some questions for him. Uh, we're a day away from the Avs opening up their season. That game going to be on TNT tomorrow night. Uh, can't wait to get into that with, you know, the Avs. A basic question that I have, and we can get more into this as we go along today. If I had to ask you right now, where do the Avs live up to the hype? Like they're the President's Trophy favorites. Where do they live up to that? And where do they fall short? Like if you had to give me the scenarios of why they would be the President's Trophy winners again, or the reasons why they might not get to that point. Because I took a look at that uh, over-under, that point total that a lot of sports books have. And Marty, I'm like, 
Okay, I think the abs are good. I don't know if it's going to be that. That's a lot of points. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. I hate being the favorite. Well, it almost feels this is the oddity of it. We're so conditioned around here to being like nobody respects our teams and we're just a little flyover town and nobody cares about Denver. And in the Avs case, I'm like, you guys are thinking this team is a lot different than I do. And I guess not a lot different, but your expectations are higher than mine. Because I look at the pieces they missed. and I'm like, that's going to hurt. And I think this year is going to be a a pretty rough go at trying to find the missing production of Assad and Adonskoy and, and Calvert and guys like that. But I think the, the answer to those questions for me are simple. Where do they live up to the hype? McKinnon, Rantanen, Landeskog, McCarr, like your top dogs. And I'm putting a lot of the eggs, of, of, a lot of eggs in the basket of Darcy Kemper and some of those numbers that he had with a better blue line in front of him, that being a difference maker. Grubauer was very good. Obviously, he was a top three goalie in the league last year. Vesna Trophy finalist. But I think that Kemper can be better. And I think Kemper with, assuming Pavel Francouz's uh, injury is three to four weeks and he can give him some time off and keep him fresh for later in the year, uh, that can be a big difference too. Kemper doesn't need to be better. He just needs to be healthy when the playoffs roll around. Yes. That's that's it. You can be on the same plane as Grubauer. Just be healthy. The other thing in this, where do they fall short? I think from a couple of different fronts. Number one, it would be if somebody like Kemper or Frankie can't stay healthy. I think you need both. I don't want to ride Kemper every single night. And I don't want uh, Johansson being the backup here. No offense to the guy. Just don't think he's that good. And a lot of times when he's between the pipes, I'm not expecting good things as far as a win-loss perspective. You know, the other places they can fall short, all that production we were talking about being missing. Saad, Don, Skoy, all the guys that I named before. Can you find a way to have people like Nichuskin, JT Comfer, Tyson Jost, Alex Newhook, Sampo Ranta, Martin Kaut, like guys like that, can they step up and fill that void? You've been able to do that consistently, and this is where I'm hopeful. You've done that. Like how many times have we seen the Avs go down with a whole bunch of injuries and we just get somebody that steps up and makes plays? I'm hoping that's the case again, but that's where it can fall apart. If they aren't ready to take on that role, that bigger role, you can't leave it all to the guys in that top line and your top end players on this team. You have to get some sort of production from... Lines three and four. But that's kind of what I'm looking at heading into tomorrow for the first game for the Avs. 303-504-09 if you got uh, 0923. Hang on. Let me try this again. 303-504-0925. 03? 
There was a whole bunch of threes at the beginning. I messed up. Yes, that's a new phone number, too. You'll find the number. You know the number. It's the Quality First Service Group listener line. Hey, Marty, can I get a uh, college football stock up, stock down, please? Do this every week following the college football season as a wild week in college football. And we always start with the quarterback. So, Marty, stock up. Caleb Williams. He steps in for Spencer Rattler and goes 16 of 25 for 212 yards, two touchdowns. Also had 88 yards rushing and a touchdown. It's the reason why Oklahoma won. It looked like they were going to get stomped by Texas. They bring in Caleb Williams for Spencer Rattler, and the game totally changes. And they find a way to win and stay undefeated. Is he the starter now? What's the deal going forward? They said they haven't made a decision yet. They're lying. It has to be him. Rattler hasn't looked good. Like, it'd be different if Rattler just had a bad game. You know, like uh, Bama in the national championship game a few years back where Tua comes in at halftime and they win. But also what happened? They said, yep, this guy is now the starter moving forward. Jalen Hurts, if you want to play, go somewhere else. And he went to Oklahoma. Now, Rattler, I don't think he's... Everybody's saying he's going to enter the transfer portal. No, I think he's just going to declare for the draft and, and try and explain away what this season was, but Caleb Williams stock up, quarterback stock down. It's Bo Nix. It played out kind of like I thought. Auburn had Georgia. Georgia's defense is the best in the country. Really, really good. Uh, but they needed Bo Nix to step up in a big way in order to have a chance at a game like this, and he didn't. I know it was against Georgia's defense, as I mentioned, but he's had one passing touchdown the last four weeks. It's not going to do anything for you in the SEC. And they've already kind of toyed around with playing the backup. The backup hasn't been much better, but Bo Nix stocked down. Let's go Pac-12 team stock up. I'm have to do it again. There's not a lot of options here, but Arizona State is going to be the team for me. They had that one loss to, uh, who was it? BYU? Is that who they lost to? Um, but Arizona State gets a 28-10 win over Stanford. Stanford playing a lot better as of late, so it's a decent win. Mostly, this is because there's not a lot of choices. Arizona State has dominated uh, opponents otherwise of that BYU game, and they're the best in the Pac-12 right now. So they're stock up. Let's go Pac-12 team stock down. USC, again, it's kind of like take your own pick of who you want to choose here, but they had a 42-26 loss to Utah. They've lost three games at home this year. There's no reason they should ever be this bad. Keaton Slovis has not been good this year. I don't know why USC is playing the way that they are. I know they got an interim head coach, but you should be able to take care of some of these teams, and they just can't. They're really bad this year. Let's go national team stock up. I'll give it to Iowa. Iowa with the 23-20 win at home over number four Penn State. So they were number three, Penn State number four. They had this late comeback, scored, what was it, 10, 13 points in the fourth quarter to seal the victory. Um, Iowa's tough. They're just a tough team. And I think this streak is continuing. I don't think they've allowed an opponent to score more than 23 points in like 15 or 16 consecutive games. That's a, home games, all games? All games. I think I have that right. They've been insanely good at just not giving up points. They play smart disciplined football, and that's why they have a chance to win every week. Their offense isn't something crazy, but it's good enough with what their defense is. How did you feel about the uh, Iowa fans rushing the field? Number three beats number four. Oh, fine with that. You cool with that? I, it's Iowa. They've never been there before. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, not Bama. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, they were favorites and they played at home. It, I, I get all that. They also are the number two team in the country right now, and that doesn't happen in Iowa very often. Was it the comeback? It was probably the comeback that did that, right? Like, if you're a fan that's never been there, you're expecting that to be the game you lose. Penn State has been there before. If Penn State beat Iowa, would anybody be shocked? Like, you're conditioned to think th- something's going to go wrong. It didn't, and it was a it was a big comeback. I don't blame them at all. Uh, they're going to pay for that. They're going to get fined. But, That's so stupid. Yeah. Uh, national team stocked out. I guess Bama. I mean, you lose to Texas A&M 41-38. That score, by the way, was not indicative of how that game went. A&M had a 24-10 lead at half. Like, they were pretty thoroughly dominating Bama. Now, Bama did that thing where they make a couple of plays, they get back in the football game. But you lose to an unranked team. That's rare territory for Alabama. And they could easily end up back in the college football playoff at the end of the year. I'm not doubting that at all. But it gave you a lot of pause for what Alabama is going to be this year. Heisman stock up. This is another repeater. I did this last week, but I can't not do this again. Did you see that game from Kenneth Walker? Michigan State is undefeated right now at 6-0. He's the reason why. Kenneth Walker is a stud. 29 carries, 232 yards, and a touchdown this last week. Um, He's on this list again because he should be. I don't think there's anybody that's doing more for their Heisman stock right now than Kenneth Walker. And there's two guys who end up winning this award almost exclusively, the exception of last year, Devontae Smith. It's quarterbacks and running backs. And he's going to be firmly at the top of that list. He's got 912 yards rushing already. And listen to this, 7.1 yards per carry in Big Ten Conference football. Not bad. Heisman stock down. This one was always going to be a long shot. But Tua's brother, I think his name is, is it Talia? Talia Tagovailoa? Don't know. Uh, He had an amazing start to the year. Had multiple, like, five touchdown games. And the past couple of weeks, he's played really tough opponents. They played Ohio State this past week. They lost 66-17. to And the week prior to that, they faced Iowa. Those are two tough defenses. I understand if you can't repeat the numbers that you did earlier in the year playing at Maryland. But he was 28 of 39, 279 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. It's not terrible. But if you put into context, Marty, in the last two weeks, he's thrown seven interceptions. That takes you off the list almost immediately. So after a very, very good start, he's kind of dropped off. So he's going to be Heisman stock down. And now upset of the week. Wow. Wow, bro. Look, you could just easily do Texas A&M over Bama. Massive upset. You could also throw Boise State in the mix as they beat number 10 BYU. As you were waiting to see when BYU's first loss was coming, Boise State wins that game, I think, 26 to 10. Um, But an unbelievable weekend in college football as you had that Red River rivalry game, as I can't say that too quickly. You had the Ole Miss in Arkansas game that was 52-51, to Bama and Texas A&M. The best week of college football of the year by far was this past weekend. So there you go, college football, stock up, stock down. Do it every week following the college football season. Got NFL stock up, stock down coming your way tomorrow. Again, a reminder as we're broadcasting from the Michelob Bolter studio, Shelby Harris joins Kreckman Lindahl at 5 o'clock today as he does every Tuesday during the Broncos season. And I can't wait to get his thoughts a little bit later. Oh, and by the way, uh, today we have Bednar join us on Tuesdays at 8. 
Bednar can't do it today. I'm sorry. I have to break the news to you. He can't do it. So uh, instead, we got the captain, Gabe Landeskog. He's going to join us. Is it 8 or 8.15, Marty? 8.15. 8.15, Gabe Landeskog joins the show as we are a day away from their season opener against Chicago. Take a quick break here. Back in three minutes. Texter writes this, 309-33. Brett, what preseason did you watch? Because Kemper sucked. Uh, yeah, he wasn't good. It's also the preseason, and I don't care. Uh, I'll take the evidence of Darcy Kemper in his career rather than the three preseason games that he played, and I'll make a judgment off of that. And Kemper was playing those games without his starting blue line in. I've told you from the beginning, the entire point of being optimistic about Darcy Kemper is that when he has McCarr and Taves and Sammy G and Byram and all these different guys that you're relying on in this blue line to help him out, he's going to look a lot better. And in the preseason, he didn't have that. And so I'm not worried about Kemper at all. If you are, I think you're hitting the panic button way too early. Now, on the flip side of that, we were talking about the Broncos yesterday, and we asked the question, is it time to panic? I'm like, yes, I think it is time to panic. Like, this is a massive week. This is where we get into those implications again. And Marty, I hate to be a broken record, but when I use the term the Trojan horse of these first three weeks of the year, this is what I was talking about. You start the year 3-0, maybe you raise expectations some, like I did, when you start the season 3-0, you should make the playoffs. I mean, I don't know what the percentages are, but they got to be somewhere around what? Teams that start 3-0, 70-some percent make the playoffs. So now if you don't reach that milestone, it feels a lot worse. And for people with their jobs on the line, Vic Fangio, Pat Shermer, Teddy Bridgewater, this is where you start to really get into it. If you lose this week to the Raiders that won't have John Gruden on the sideline and you go back to 500 and then you turn around short week, travel to Cleveland and play the Browns, that 3-0 could turn to 3-4. and And then you're in the deep end of the pool, out of breath, and grabbing for something just to hang on for dear life. And then you got the rest of the AFC West. You got Justin Herbert and Patrick Mahomes standing outside that pool. One of them's got a flamethrower, and the other one is throwing bricks at you. They aren't going to help you out, okay? It's only going to make it worse. You will drown at the end of that. You have to get it fixed and righted this week. You head into Cleveland with a 4-2 and two record, completely different story. Then you got some momentum. Maybe you can carry that into Cleveland, keep that game close. Like, that's the stuff that is going to make or break your season. You know, you watched the game last night. Let's bring up the defense again. Lamar Jackson was pretty good. Beat you up. A lot of big plays when you played him two weeks ago. He didn't look like that. He didn't look like 37 to 43 for 442 yards. And from what I understand, Indy's defense is not, like, horrible. Nobody confuses them with a top-five unit, but they aren't terrible. 
This is kind of what Lamar Jackson does to people. He makes you look silly. Somebody earlier on the show said, Brett, don't be a coward. Just eat the sock. You were wrong about the Ravens offense. You're about three years late on that take. I've already amended that one and said I was wrong. And you've eaten the sock. I have. It was a delicious cake, but it was a sock. It was a cake in the shape and look of a sock. And I forget who on Twitch gave that to us. Thank you very much. Very sweet of you. And it was a good way for me to get out of the bed. Because I was not going to consume cotton. Not going to happen. But when you look at this defense and what they did to Lamar Jackson, is 23 points like something to brag about? No. But it's also not whatever happened to Indy yesterday, especially late in that game. And again, you see the difference between having a quarterback that can accomplish. I mean, that's just good. I mean, that's what it looks like. You're never out of a football game. No matter how bad it looks. I mean, that score was what? Like 24 to 9 or something at some point? And Baltimore comes back to win in overtime 31 to 25. So 25 to 9. You get two touchdowns, two two point conversions, and then you score immediately in OT. Lamar Jackson caught fire, didn't stop. Again, if you guys missed it, the the Stat from yesterday, he's the first quarterback in NFL history to have a 400-yard passing game with a completion percentage of 85% or better. That's the difference maker. And is it panic time for the Broncos right now after watching this kind of stuff and knowing what's coming up in your schedule? Absolutely it is. You know, I'm just going to pull this up right now. I haven't seen this yet. This is ESPN's Power Rankings. Now heading into week six. You had to guess, Marty. Wait, where the... wait, wait. Hey, you have you seen it yet? No. How about you guess? You always see okay, it first. Right. Well, I, I've, I'm at number nine right now, so I know they're not nine. Nine or above, which is obvious. I would say 17. That'd be my guess. I, would, I was going to say 20. So here we go. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Oh, they're at 15 still. 15, so they're right ahead of Chicago. They're actually ahead of Vegas. And I'm trying to figure out is they didn't mention anything about Gruden, so this must just be because of the loss to the Bears. But ahead of Vegas, who's 17, Chicago, who's 16, and they're behind Cincy and New Orleans, who are both 3-2. and two. A little bit higher than I thought. Now, the interesting thing about this is you look through this list. So, hang on. This is going to be a fun little experiment. The top team that is sub-500 is the Niners, who are 18th in the NFL. And that is with the exception of the Chiefs, who are still in the top 10 at number 10 at 2-3. and three. If you aren't concerned, at least mildly concerned, if you're a Chief fan, you're fooling yourself. Because let me tell you something, Marty. It's not just that the Chiefs are giving up points. Like every week, to the Browns, they gave up 29. Ravens, 36. Chargers, 30. Eagles, 30. Bills, 38. That defense is terrible. But you only put up 20 points this past week against Buffalo? Like it isn't just the defense. You aren't scoring either. 
Now, it gets a little bit easier for them, but they still have two road games now, one at Washington, which should be a pretty easy win, and then the at Tennessee game where I never know what Tennessee team you're getting week in, week out. But those are their next two. And I think that they'll be able to rifle off a lot of wins here. This is Washington, Tennessee, and then New York, the Giants. That game's followed up by a game against the Packers, so then it gets tough again, but still. The next three weeks could be kind of a cakewalk for them. That could put them at 5-3 and three heading into Week 8, where this is all about keeping pace. Keep pace within your division, and that's what the Broncos need. This isn't a request. This is a need for a win this weekend. I just saw the Chiefs get the Broncos after the Chiefs' bye week. Mm -hmm. Isn't Andy Reid like a million and zero after bye weeks? Uh, I wouldn't doubt it. Yeah, I don't know if that's true. That always kind of went to Belichick, right? Belichick off a bye. I'm sure Andy Reid's the same way. He's a good coach. But that's kind of the point. As you start to struggle here, there's not a lot of belief that this is going to turn around. And on the Chiefs' side, they've been struggling steadily. And nobody really, really believes that this is going to continue for them, that they're going to eventually figure this out. But a lot to get to this morning. 303-504-0925 if you guys want in. A reminder to you guys, 5 o'clock today, Shelby Harris joins Crackman and Lindahl. And at 8.15, uh, Bednar can't go with us today, so we're getting the captain. Gabe Landeskog is going to join us at 8.15 this morning as we're a day away from the opener for the Avs. Including playoffs, Reed and Mahomes are 7-0 after bye weeks. Yeah, there you go. Well, they've won a lot of football games, so I guess I shouldn't be all that surprised by that. Uh, by the way, an update in the MLB yesterday is Boston walks off their game against Tampa, so they move on to the ALCS. So one half of the ALCS is already set, and Tampa is out. Um, Atlanta beats Milwaukee yesterday 3 to nothing as they take a 2-1 lead in that series. San Francisco, one to nothing win, but a win nonetheless against the Dodgers. So they're now two and one in that series against LA. And we are all saying very loudly, please do not let the Dodgers advance to the NLCS. Well, I can't take it. They anymore. beat Scherzer too. So that's huge for them. Big time. Uh, so more baseball coming your way today as you got three games, Houston and Chicago starting that off at noon. Milwaukee, Atlanta at 3, and then San Francisco and L.A. tonight at 7 o'clock. Got to take a quick break here. Mojo Lombardi and Kane next. KKSE FM HD1. Greenfield, Denver, Boulder. The Nuggets, Avalanche, Rapids. Play here. This is Altitude Sports Radio. Stop with the right hand! Get out of town! 92.5. Oh. Hey, sports fans, Vic Lombardi here along.